and welcome to the latest episode of the Green Left News Podcast. I'm Ben Radford, I'm a journalist for Green Left, and I'm joined by my friend and fellow journalist, Isaac Nellist. And we're going to take you through the news from Australia and around the world. If you haven't heard of Green Left, it's a people-powered media project that's been running for more than 30 years. We centre the voices of activists and provide an alternative to the corporate media. Become a subscriber today at greenleft.org.au for only $5 a month. And before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that we're recording on stolen Gadigal land. This land was never ceded and it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And Green Left is committed to supporting First Nations struggles for justice around Australia and around the world. After years of campaigning by refugees and supporters, the government has finally granted permanent visas to the almost 20,000 people who were stuck on temporary protection visas or safe haven enterprise visas. And this is a major win for the refugee movement and a credit to the years of hard work and campaigning by advocates, activists, and most importantly, refugees themselves. However, it's only a partial victory as Labor has continued its boat turnback policy and strict border controls. And there are still around 10,000 refugees who are excluded, unable to apply for permanent protection. In other good news, Federal Minister for the Environment, Tanya Plibersek, has announced that they're rejecting Clive Palmer's Central Queensland coal project, which is the first time that a coal mine has been rejected on environmental grounds. However, in typical Labor fashion, they've made sure to emphasise that they're not setting a precedent and, in fact, they still are continuing to support a whole bunch of really destructive and wasteful mining projects across the country including Adani's Carmichael coal mine in Western Queensland. Yeah, it's very disappointing from Labor. The real push against coal mining is really coming from the grassroots activists who this week rallied outside Blackrock and Barclays Bank protesting their continued support for the Adani coal mine in Western Queensland. And speaking of Adani, uh, reports just come out that's exposed their alleged fraud, tax evasion and a whole bunch of money laundering that they've been doing, allegedly. Um, but this campaign against Adani really, you know, it isn't just in Australia, it's all around the world. We've got protests in India, um, in Britain. And so if you want to get involved to protest, not just Adani, but uh, push the government to take some real action on, on climate, then join up with the, the climate strikes that are on March 3. Um, they're going to be in all the major cities and in regional areas as well. Check out the Green Left social media for more info on those climate strike events. In Sydney, hundreds joined a rally for housing justice, calling for public housing to be defended and extended, rents to be frozen for at least two years, and to end homelessness. We were both at that rally, and there was a whole bunch of inspiring speakers um, that were public housing tenants who are facing eviction and demolition of their homes. We had long-term housing activists, unionists, uh, as well as election candidates from the Greens, Labor and Socialist Alliance that are running in the upcoming New South Wales election. Yeah, really important issue. House prices and rents are going through the roof, so we need to do something about it uh, quickly. Um, but the 20th anniversary of the then largest protest in world history has just passed, the huge international protests against the Iraq war in 2003, where more than a million people protested in Australia, including 250,000 in Melbourne and half a million in Sydney. Although the protests were unsuccessful in stopping the war, 
which was a big defeat for the anti-war movement. They did have an impact, and I really recommend reading the Greenleft article by Alex Bainbridge, Why We Were Right to Protest the Iraq War, for some good analysis of what happened. And another important anniversary that just passed was marking 19 years since 17-year-old Camilla Roy youth TJ Hickey was killed while being pursued by police. And TJ's mother, Gail, her family and supporters, they've marched every year, uh, continuing to demand justice for TJ. And this year at the march, the Hickey family launched a new campaign to have the Redfern Community Centre renamed the TJ Hickey Memorial Centre. And the Australian Tamil community marked the 75th anniversary of Tamil Oppression Day when Sri Lanka gained independence from the British Empire. Trinuga Impakuma, a leader of the Tamil Refugee Council and organiser of the protest, told Green Left that February 4 represents the day that power was handed from one oppressor to another. Green's First Nations spokesperson, Lydia Thorpe, has quit the party after disagreements over the voice to parliament and treaty. And she said that she wants to more broadly represent the Black Sovereign Movement um, in Parliament. So she's now running as an independent for the rest of her five-year term. And you can hear from her at an upcoming forum with Uncle Gary Murray, which is at 6.30pm on Monday, February 20, at the Drill Hall in Melbourne. And the forum is going to be discussing sovereignty, treaty and First Nations justice. And the event's also going to be live streamed on Greenleft's YouTube channel, you can find more information in the link in our podcast description. And now we'll go to what's happening around the world. A 7.8 magnitude earthquake has devastated Kurdish cities in southeastern Turkey and northern Syria. And while you've probably seen on the, on the mainstream news, pictures of destroyed buildings, as well as the death toll of more than 40,000, this is all being covered. But what hasn't been covered is the aid that's being denied to the Kurdish people by both the Syrian and Turkish governments. And we can see this as part of the ongoing systematic oppression of the Kurds for years at the hands of the Turkish government in particular. It's, it's really terrible. There, there are reports that aid has not arrived to affected areas even days after the earthquake. And like shockingly, Turkey has not stopped bombing some of these Kurdish areas, which is just like mind blowing, really. Um, the government's even been censoring social media to stop criticism um, coming out of these areas. Uh, but Kurdish groups have launched an appeal for urgent aid that will go directly to those affected areas. Uh, and there's a link to donate in the podcast notes. And while the international aid to these Kurdish communities that are dealing with this, you know, this catastrophe has been really slow to come, on the other side, there seems to be no shortage of money for weapons. And in a new report by two organizations, Stop the Arms Trade and the Transnational Institute, um, they've detailed the staggering funds that Western countries are spending on a new arms race. Some of these numbers are insane. Um, military spending has essentially been on the rise since the late 90s, um, but in 2021, for the first time, global spending exceeded 2.1 trillion US dollars. Far out, that's crazy. I, I saw that um, the US alone is responsible for 38% of global military spending, which is like, wow. Yeah, you've got, you've got these few rich, wealthy countries that are essentially stocking up on weapons to launch their imperialist wars. 
Um, you've got 27 countries in the EU have a combined spend that's almost four times as much as Russia spends on the military. Yeah, it's really important that we continue to resist this uh, militarism. Um, in Burkina Faso, the government has expelled French troops from the country. Anti-French sentiment has deepened across the region due to their role in destabilizing the area with military interventions. And Burkina Faso joins neighboring country Mali, who ejected French troops in February last year. We talked last episode about Tyree Nichols, who was killed by police in the US. And after his death, a whole bunch of police forces across Canada they put out these statements condemning the violence. Some of them even called for justice. But what's ironic about this is the Canadian police's own record of violence. And Jeff Shantz, who's a writer for Green Left, he's been keeping a record of police killings for more than a decade, found that there were 117 police-related deaths in Canada just last year. And so I'd strongly recommend people to read his article on Green Left for more information about the lack of government reporting. There's no public database where they keep records of police killings in Canada. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah, really important coverage from, from Jeff Chance. Um, going over to Britain, uh, more than half a million workers have gone on strike uh, recently taking action against pay and working conditions and uh, in opposition to the even harsher trade union laws that the uh, Tory government, uh, Conservative government is pushing through Parliament. Uh, the unions leading the strikes cover transport, education and the public sector. And last week, tens of thousands of health workers went on strike demanding pay rises, which is actually the biggest strike in the NHS's history, which is National Health Service's history. Uh, despite the mainstream media attacking the workers on strike, polls show that they have huge popular support. Speaking of strikes, uh, more than 2 million people took to the streets in France last week. Uh, to protest the Emmanuel Macron government's latest attack on pensions. Um, he's attempted to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. So a lot of workplaces have been going beyond this. At the moment, the official union strategy is to have a weekly day of action, but a lot of workplaces are going beyond that. There's been wildcat strikes or people for striking up to a few hours every day. And there's also been blockades and as well as occupations of university campuses by students. There's even been what's, what are being called Robin Hood actions, where energy workers have provided free electricity to schools, to unis and to low-income households. You can find all of these stories that we talked about today in the podcast description and go to greenleft.org.au to find out more. Green Left runs on people power. We don't accept corporate donations or advertising, so we need your support to continue. You can become a supporter for only $5 a month, and it's only $10 a month to get the hard copy paper delivered to your door. You can also donate to our 2023 Fighting Fund, which will help us make more content like this. Go to greenleft.org.au support to help us out. And remember to follow Green Left on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for the latest news and analysis. Thanks for listening. Thank you.